Edor, welcome to a special edition of the No Chof Des podcast on the OLB. Before we start, don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe, tell your nunna. This is the OLB. This is No Chof Des, the alpha podcast. Everyone else tries to replicate, but I'm sorry you're not at that level yet. I'm still, I've got Chris, I've got Roy. You know what, Chris? Chris? I'm going to let you do the introduction to this one because Roy's done a lot of introductions. <laughs> Roy, sorry, my friend. No I'm going to have to let you take a step back with this one, even though you've spiked your hair up and you're making me feel bad because I've got no hair and you've had a shave. This Chris, is brace, yourself. brace yourself, Chris. This, this, is what, this is what how we're breaking you in, my friend. This is you officially losing your no chocolate virginity. Okay? <laughs> Make it a good one, yeah? Make it count. Yeah. Let's go. And to introduce our very special guest. Where did he go? Where did he go? <laughs> <laughs> and to introduce our very special guest, one of my favorite players going up. It's Mr. Musa Iguni. Welcome. <laughs> How are you doing, Oliver? Everyone's fine, Musamu. How are you, brother? How are you? We're surviving. The corona is around, but we are still there. That's what matters. Yeah, for sure, man. For sure. Yeah. For sure. So many things are happening in this world, but you must at least take the blessings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's so, many so, yeah, it's life. That's right. Well, mate, look, thank you for jumping on with us. We've been trying to work out how to get you on, and obviously, you've been busy. Our schedules don't. Mind up, and now we're here. Yeah, the universe has brought us together. Yeah, <laughs> the best time is now. Sorry about the noise in the background. So I have my daughter there. Yeah, you know, girls. No, yeah, don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. We, we all know. We all know. Well, no, not Chris so much. Chris has got a dog, but you know, I've got, got two. I've got two girls. I think I would get one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm too, I'm, too, I'm too young for that. shit. Excuse me, 27. Yeah. 27. Okay. Okay. I had my first daughter when I was 27. Anyway. Yeah. Well, Musa, thank you for thank you for joining us again, Philemon. Uh, well, look, before we talk about your time at Omonia, tell us a little about yourself growing up in in Zimbabwe. I spoke to Noel Kaseke a while back. Uh, we've heard stories about Zimbabwe. What about you? What was it like growing up? Who were your footballing idols? How did you get involved in the game? Well, uh, when we were growing up, there were so many legends in our city. And uh, especially where Kaseke played, Kaseke played for the biggest team in the country, which is Highlanders. I'm pretty sure he mentioned that to you guys. And uh, in our junior level, uh, while we were playing there, so I'm pretty sure you know Zenzo Moyo. All right, mm-hmm. so Zenzo played here in, in South played for Parfos, went to Olympiacos. With yes. Yeah, so this is one guy that I I just grew up like he was my idol. He was somebody that I followed up a lot because there were other legends before him, like Peter Ndofu, who played in England and all that. Coventry City, yeah. Yeah, according to game and uh like technically, he's somebody that I saw and I it's a it's a pity that I only watched him once in my life. So I was lucky as well to be able to get and raise the, the official match, which was also the first match I was able to watch Kaseke as well. So um, these moments for me, they were great because 
from the way I saw our how we played in the academies and what I see in Cyprus is totally different. I mean, in ways whereby, you know, you can see when you are a child that this is what you want to do. You are hungry for it. It's not Yaya or Papu or your papa or your mom pushing you. Like, hey, like, yeah, go and play football. You know, it's something that you want to do because everybody was involved. So I grew up in, a, in an era whereby I was seeing guys that were in my age or a little bit older than me, you know, being uh, promoted into the into the championship, into the professional league. And for me, that is something that was driven. And I felt like, you know, maybe I can do the same. But when I looked around me, there were so many academies. And with these academies, there were so much, there was so much quality. So I knew that I just had to be myself. I wasn't there to compete with anybody. And uh, I just did what I had to do. So once when one guy once called me Zenzo Moyo and I was like, who is Zenzo Moyo? So I never knew about the guy. And then I started following up and everybody started calling me Zenzo. And Zenzo became my, my household name in the junior academy. It became my nickname up to now. Only in Cyprus, they don't know about this name. And this was it. So how did I, came, how did I come in Cyprus? I was coming here to replace my idol which is Moyo, and Moyo was playing, I think, at that time in Olympiacos. So I didn't know that I was going to end up in Omonia. So there was a little bit of a fight there with another legend that I ended up replacing, which is Tano Rafman. So for me, it leaves me legendary now. I'm like, yeah, me, I am the biggest legend here. How can I be I, like replacing this? Because <laughs> I'm bigger than them. So it's, it's one of those moments, you know, that you treasure the most. Absolutely. Well, before we uh, quickly move, talk about your move to Omonia, because I'm sure we've got quite a few questions regarding right. how it came about. I know Zimbabwe went through a very difficult, difficult period in the early 2000s. We're talking famine, we're talking economical crisis, you know, you having family back there. What was it like you, for you? Did, were you under was, a lot of pressure to, to help I, out from a financial aspect? Yeah, I was too young to even see or notice anything that has to do with inflation. Or, or whatsoever. I was just enjoying myself. So this affected the people that were already like teens or people that were already adults. Because now you know, like when you are in that kind of a situation while you are at home with the kind of that situation, you know that you have to try and do something, hustle in order to feed your family or to feed yourself and stuff. But I was too young to think about that. So for me, in my eyes, I could just see all the rainbow colors. Right, fair enough. Okay, so how did your move to Cyprus come about then? Because I know you mentioned there have been a few players that have moved to Cyprus. Did you have the same agent? Was it word of mouth? Did they know about you in some way, shape or form? To be quite honest, I, I really don't know if there was any agent involved. Because at the time when I was playing for Hellenic, I remember the president approaching me at some point and telling me that your football, the type of play, it, it doesn't suit South Africa. Maybe you should go to, to Greece. And for me, I knew, I thought Cyprus was Greece or Greece is Cyprus, so it's all the same thing or whatsoever. I never knew anything about the country. The only thing I knew about Cyprus is that Moyo was playing in Cyprus by the time I moved. Because I, 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 became, I, moved, I became an international player when I was 16. So that made me the youngest player in my country to move abroad at a younger age and also to, to be a national team member as well at that age. So looking into all this, 
I found myself with the coach that was Zenzo Moyo's coach at that time. That was Noel Kaseke's coach as well at that time. And these guys were already here in Cyprus. So whoever like uh, articulated that movement, I know of one friend of mine who was a journalist, his name is Love Modube, and the coach was uh, um, Raman Gumbo. So these are the people that were close by to me because the time when I was supposed to move to Orlando Pirates, they are the ones that blocked the deal, not for me to sign in Orlando Pirates because they felt like I am going to destroy my career there. So for whatever reasons, because of the the image that Raman Gumbo had as a coach and as a player before, I took his word. And within a couple of months, this is when I found myself coming here in Cyprus. Excellent. So you land in Cyprus. What kind of reception did you get from the supporters? What was your your outlook of Omonia? Because obviously it's a different landscape, huh? um, different club to Orlando Pirates, different club to Hellenic. Were you surprised with the passion of the supporters? To be honest, I came at a very difficult time uh, because Ammonia at that time, they were struggling. So from what I heard in the past, Ammonia was a team that was that had the history. You get so the time when I came, I think they were around fourth position. So this was the worst position for that kind of club to be at. So the moment I realized it is the moment I wanted to get my ticket to go back home. Because I felt like, you know what, can I withstand this kind of a pressure? I'm too young for this. Where I was, where I'm coming from, I was doing much better. I had everything that I needed. I was like a god to some people. But then Lano came inside. You are not going back because I really wanted my ticket. I really wanted to go home. I'm being honest here. Then Rafman, he spoke me out. He was in the hotel. He is the one who was picking me up from into training. You can do it here. He told me that. I didn't even know who he was. I had no clue that I'm actually talking to the person that I'm actually replacing. So at some point, maybe it helped me a little bit that I didn't know because I never watched these kind of videos. We never had this kind of uh, reception in Africa where I can have a mobile phone just to see the videos on YouTube or whatsoever. So it was a difficult moment. And I remember the first game I played, it was against Anotosi. We lost that game in uh, Papadopoulos, I think. I don't remember what was the score because everything was being mentioned in Greek. So after that, the second game, it was against Powerful, and I took a red card within like four minutes or something. So now the pressure is piling up more. So nobody knows who I am and I don't know where I am. So it became a moment where I needed to bring myself into an uncomfortable position in order for me to make it more simple for me. I had colleagues, they were there. Most of the teammates, they were like, they were there for me. They would, nobody like put me away. And uh, especially I remember Gabo Korolowski. This was the first guy that approached me. And he was always right next to me. It was until a friendly game, because I remember it was uh, like the national break. And we had to play one team. It was, I think, Resta, Zagreb, where they had this one tall guy that moved to Valencia at some point. I forgot his name. Zigic. Well, I remember. So that was the first game that I actually played in a friendly and according to the way that I played and the way that people started coming to me, 
This is when I realized that I can do it. So after that, we had to play Abuel in Kasipi. This also was the first time that I played the derby game. So it was the third game that I actually played. And was that the, the one when Veze was beaten from, from five, made the mistake? No, it was 0-0. Zero, zero. Zero, zero. It was 0-0. Zero, zero. The last moment I won a ball, I don't remember this guy from Abuel. He was a Colombian striker. He played in England as well. What's his name? I forget him. So I actually won a ball from him as strong as he was. Yeah. 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 Hamilton Rickard. Could be that guy. So I moved the ball and I was so fast that I didn't even believe that I can be that fast in that country. And I gave the pass to Kaya first and I gave him a signal like last minute, give me that pass and just realized it in the last moment. That day, in the dressing room, Kayafas told me that in the next game, you have to start. And I didn't even know who we were playing. I think it was Apollon. That went to be the first game that I scored my first goal for Ammonia. So then, after that, this is when things started changing. I started to see the, the history of the club, what this club defines. Then I knew that I was in the right place if I want to progress more in the future. So yeah, at the end of the season, at least we took something out. We won the Gibelo. So that was the like uh, the formality of how I became who I am today. It completely changed everything. So from the bad beginning, it came up to a good ending. This is how I can define. Brilliant. Well, look, I've got one more question before I pass it over to the guys. Um, you mentioned Gaiafa, you mentioned Ralph, and you didn't know who Ralph Mum was, as you said. When you joined the club and you're looking at the players in training, were there any players who stood out that you believed were the leaders? Because you can tell, can't you? When you go on that training pitch and you see who's doing the talking, who's kind of organising, you can, you can see, can't you? You can tell who's the leader. Did you notice anyone that stood out? Nicolas, you're you. Nicolas, you're you. And I thought that he owned the club. <laughs> he will talk about the food. The food that we're going to eat in the hotel, he will talk about the shoes that we're going to wear, the cars that we're going to drive, the bus that we're going to travel with to the hotel. He was the most influential guy there. Kayafas, he was more like these gangsters, you know, he was more calm like the godfather. <laughs> realized that, no, this guy is the guy. This is the main man of the club. He was so reluctant. I first, I didn't even know that he was the captain of the team. He was the living legend in the club at that moment. So the first people that I noticed, it was Nicolas Yorio, because he's the one that came, that kept coming to me. LRM Mavro, LRM Mavro. I'm like, what is this Mavro thing, you know? <laughs> it was a, a different reception. So I, I enjoyed the moment. And um, I would say Gabo Korolowski, he was a, a distant guy. I don't know how and why he was so distant and how we became so close in the end. But he was one of those influential guys because I could see how he was controlling the game in training and everything. He was the most vocal in terms of like when we attack and when we come back and all this when we define the teams. But I believe that most of the guys, they, they, they had the leadership in their own terms. Everybody was different. That's how I can say it. Excellent, excellent. Just quick comments here. Musa, remember your first goal for Ammonia. I have that ball in my collection. 
Pedro. I hope I hope uh, one day you can get it signed from from Musa. That'd be great. And uh, and uh, Cristalla says I still have your T-shirt when you scored on my birthday and you threw it to me. I think really? it still fit me when I'm pregnant. There you go. A happy birthday to him again. I don't remember the date. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm sure. I'm sure she remember. If she, Cristalla, if you remember the game, oh, Cristalla, I remember it's the girl from Paphos. Oh. I think oh. I know. There was this little girl who used to come with the dad all the time in Gasipi. I remember her. I remember her. There you That's go. Nice. See, lovely. lovely. You know, the worst part about me is my memory. I wish I didn't have it. We do. <laughs> <laughs> if I don't, if I don't, if I, if I, if I don't, if I don't forgive you, that means I didn't forget it. I want to mm. for, forgive you. That's the thing. No, no, no! You, you can't, you can't forgive everyone, man. I'm sorry, that's not how it works. <laughs> <laughs> Roy, you got any questions, Philemon? Well, basically, uh, at the beginning, you covered uh, most of the things I wanted to ask Musa about how he moved to Omonia, how it was, uh, you know, the first few months uh, because you came in as a as a young talent, yeah, uh, and uh, you you stayed there for for three years. Yeah, it was a and a half. Sorry? Yeah, it was two and a half. Yes, yeah, two years and a half. Yes, two years and a half. And I think you had like sixty six appearances. Uh, After the first few months that you just described to us now, uh, Mm -hmm. later on in in your career, the the next let's say two and a half years that you were there. How was it any different? Did you feel like you moved up in the hierarchy of the team? Uh, how did you? When when was the first time you realized? You know, I'm playing for a big club, the biggest club in Cyprus. Um, the fans, because it wasn't just you know the fact that you scored some crucial goals. It was you know your, your celebration, just you know. The way you, you celebrated all the goals, the dance moves, and everyone, I, I remember everyone cracked up because it was so cool. It was, you know, uh, and it made it made you even more lovable to the fans and all of that. So yeah. it's more of a general sort of question, you know, with a lot of different uh, subsections to it. But yeah, that's uh, how I, I like you to, to uh, this is what I like to ask you. Yeah. So basically, when I discovered that Monia was actually the biggest club, I would say, in uh, Cyprus, is because the one colleague of Zenzo Moyo was still living here in Cyprus. So he became my mentor to a certain point. Because at the time when I was questioning him about Olympiacos, because that was the club that I was intended to go to, he said to me, my boy, there is only one thing that I want to tell you is that you don't know the club that you are going to now. So I realized it after the Apollonas game. Because when I scored that goal, I didn't see that the stadium was actually full of green t-shirts. So when I scored that goal and I went in there and I see all those people there, it, for me, it was like, wow. So I had to create something and that will be unforgettable which was the celebration that I made, like the Eastern Ball style. Yeah. So for me, that wasn't even planned because I didn't even think that I was going to go. But Kayafas had already told me that is your day today. Mm. 
So it happened and I saw everything and I was like, wow. So after that time, when I'm going anywhere in the street, the only thing that you could hear is just that name. So, yeah. yeah, this was massive because everywhere that I went, everywhere that I went, I, they will not even say my name. They will only mention the name of my club. Yeah. <laughs> That's when I discovered that, yes, this is totally a big club. And when I started looking around on YouTube, this is when I discovered what Ralphman used to do. So it was going to be difficult for me to be in his shoes and to replace a legend like that. But there was also Sotiris Kayafas, also he was there, he was next to me. He was always telling me what I need to do in the game. So when I actually checked that he was actually um, the top scorer in the European, uh, in, the, in the Europe, I started to have a big feeling, you know, like maybe this is a big club. This is not a small club that, you know, like, wow. So that's what it is. You mentioned twice that you were intended to go to Olympia, Goals, but you ended up at Omonia. I didn't understand what, what, what happened and you ended up at Omonia. Yeah, so basically when I left, in my ticket, coming here in Cyprus, I was coming to Olympiacos. This is what I had. And I knew Olympiacos only, only because Zenzomoy was playing there, as I mentioned. Yeah. So I went to my first training with Omonia and I didn't even know that okay i am in omonia i thought i was in olympiacos at the time because i never understood i never made any research about the clubs or anything whatsoever but sometimes dreams just come through they are not met because where i ended up it was the right place so i i don't have any regret any regrets at all uh Correct me if I'm wrong, but when you yeah. came to Monia, was there another African player who came with you, or was it just by yourself? I'm trying to remember I, whether it was. I, there was a guy, yes, there was a guy that came together. Uh, he's the one who ended up in Olympiacos. I forgot his name. It's a very long time ago. Forgive yeah, me. So old. I, I, I was, think uh, I, 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 Yeah, there were, we were two guys. So we were two guys, and uh, just yeah. after the the name is January. It comes as January something, but I don't remember his uh, full name altogether. All, all yeah. 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 So we were two guys, and I we were playing. I think the same position as well. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it yeah. was more like uh, okay, whoever is going to be chosen is staying here, and the other one is going to go to Olympiacos. So that's where this guy ended up being in, in Olympiacos. Because on the third day of training, Rafman already told me that they are preparing your contract. Okay. And uh, I know it's been long ago, but money-wise, the contract yeah. in Omonia, in comparison to what you were getting paid uh, back in uh, Africa, uh, was it, you know, like... Uh, a good incentive was it something that surprised you or was it just something normal nothing really special because later on in your career you you moved into uh ukraine and you played in uh in the emirates as well which we all know that there they they spend a lot more money but like the first contract you had at omonia was it 
something like a step up you were used to? Did it make your it life was. more comfortable, let's say? Comfortable, no, but yeah, it made a big difference because let's not forget that I came to Cyprus when I was a kid. Yeah. So I was 21. just starting. Yeah, I was around 21, 22, 22, yeah. going for 23. Yeah. So I was starting my career. So money was not even the issue. It was not something that I was looking into. And things changed with time that, you know, this is a career. Understand? So at the end, when I moved to, to Emirates, if you want my honest truth, I didn't want to go there. Mm -hmm. I was forced to go there. This is why there are some certain people in the administration of ammonia that I will never forgive. But I accepted it. That if it's going to bring something good for the club, let it be. And then in that one year, I think the second year, ammonia actually won the championship. Which was a good thing. But if you ask if I wanted to leave, that like for me i never wanted to leave i wanted to stay here as much as i can but Musa, what was the discussion then what kind of discussion was it we've got an offer you have to go the offer of dubai it came like i'll tell you how the first offer of dubai it was right after the gibel that we won 2005 i refused to take it the money was good for the club, but I refused to take it. There were some people involved in there, but I refused to take it. That I believe that's when I created like a certain portion of enemies within the administration of Ammonia. Are, are these people you're allowed to mention? Is this something I that you mention them? I won't mention them because I don't want to create something, mm -hmm. like, you know. But they will know if whoever they will come across, they know who they are. And I refused. I received, I refused not only because I wanted to be in Omonia or the money in Dubai was not good. It was a very good contract. But the reason why I didn't go there, it was because I just achieved something that I never achieved anyway. So let me play another few years in this club and achieve more. Then when the time is right, then I would go. I was just starting my career. So the second time it happened, I knew that it was the right time to go because I remember I played so many games with a broken league and I was forced to play those games. With a broken ligament? Yes. What well, were well, we talking? Knee, ligament, ankle? Yeah, fractured ligament on my knee. So knee. this is the same knee that ended up finishing my career. So what were they doing? Giving you painkillers? Were they giving you painkilling injections before every game or...? I, I was only sustaining with injections. I had to do what I was told to do until the time whereby <clears throat> I went to make an name, right? It was supposed to be, um, they told me that the, one of the big guys in the club, he called me 11 o'clock, you have the MRI in the hospital. Okay. I ended, I was there exactly at uh, 10, 30 something just to be ready. So, so, anyway, so when when you said you were forced to play, were you forced to play by the the coach or the administration? 
it was the administration. So the coach yeah. would definitely get the, the, the stress or the whatever from the administration. So the administration will tell the coach, hey, Musa has to be in the team. Right, okay, okay. And did, did, it you think was they... that coach that called the doctor for me to go to the hospital. It was someone from the top that called me directly to go to the, to the hospital. And right in the hospital, the doctor now, after the MRI, said to me, I saw you notice that was in the call. I was speaking to one of the big guys of your class. I said, I already know who it is. And I mentioned his name. He was surprised. And the doctor said, listen, this guy wants me to tell you that your leg is okay. You can play the next game. But there is a result here on the MRI. You can see it here. So whatever you say, you can take this paper and send it to the court. I will lose my license. I don't want to do that. So I have to be honest with you what was said, but it's between me and you. So, so let me ask you something very quickly, right? And again, I don't mean to put you on the spot here, but mm -hmm. was you playing, right? The, the administration forcing you to play, did they have any financial benefit to this? Why was, if they, if they knew you weren't ready to play, that you weren't match fit, that you weren't able, why would they force you to play? Why would they force the, the head coach to select you in games, knowing that A, it could make things even worse, or B, you might not play as well as you can because you're carrying an injury. Yeah, so probably it's a two-way thing. They might be trying to get rid of me to bring someone that they want. You understand? It's teaser yeah, yeah, too, yeah. because this is what ended up happening at the end. So they're basically forcing you out. Yeah, so it was more like forcing me out, like ah, he's, he's, he gets injured, so he's vulnerable whatsoever. Ali, stop it. So this is what happens. But that was my first injury. Right, right. Yeah. So it's a long-term injury because it's a knee. When you have a, a, a ligament on your knee, it's not something that you can expect to be out for one or two weeks. It's going right. to be for, for a long time. But if it's managed correctly, that means you can actually do at least a month out, and then when you come back, you come back even stronger. But that ended I'm, up wrong result. I'm guessing also because of your height. I mean, I'm very, I'm two meters. You're very tall, so yeah. I mean, many times from when when I train, my knees hurt. So it's it's a problem for us. So imagine you had that thing, and you also had to play. So you did more damage on your knee. It's, it's impact. Like I, it's impact training. That's yeah. what it is. When you're that running, it's impact. You, you, you're going to destroy your knee. We used to play in the desert back home, so I believe all my ligaments were quite strong. But it, the, the knee problem, it came from a knock. We were playing against Aris in Limassol. So I remember trying to block the ball with the other leg and the guy like just pa, impact. So my knee just went on like that. But it was crucial. We were losing 1-0. I can't play, but I forced myself because the coach didn't have any other options. There were other options, but at that time, you cannot make the substitution. It's the first half. So when you play the teams that are coming from the second division, you know that you need the strength of quality inside so that when you can replace, maybe in the second half, it's more like you know changing the game plan, but you can't change the game plan in the first half. Did so we end I, up winning? 
we ended we up, win that game. ended up scoring the equalizer and Kayafa scored the second goal. We won the game 2 1. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Well, look, Chris, before, before I send you over to ask your questions, I'm gonna, I've got some comments in the thing. Um, how did you feel every time celebrating in front of Brasino Lao? I think he, whoever is asking that question, you should put it into imagination. <laughs> <laughs> put it into imagination and you will understand what I'm trying to say. Because I, I have no words to say. It was unbelievable. Okay, excellent. Imagine. Excellent. Okay, yeah. is there a team you didn't like much? Of course. Well, <laughs> if there is a team that I didn't like much, then I would be playing against all my teammates. <laughs> I had to like all the teams because I have to play against them. But the West Ham games, um, for me, it was never about head. Because for me, Ammonia ended up well. This is another theory that I ended up discovering that most of these people <laughs> against each other, they are actually relatives. <laughs> so in the game, right in the stadium, eh, this and that, you also this and that. But after the game, they are all eating souvla together. Yeah. <laughs> For me, it was more like what game defines the Cyprus League. It's more like you talk about the El Clasico in uh, in Spain, and you talk about the Bundesliga with Bayern in Dortmund. You speak about Liverpool and Manchester United. So. Abuel and Omonia, this is the game that any child that you can ask right now will want to play out of all the other games. Because you, like the, like the person that asked the comment, what it felt like to play against such a crowd. That is the feeling of playing that kind of a game. Because when you say that you are Ammonia and you are the biggest team in Cyprus, you have to play the games that are challenging. When you play the games that are challenging and you are not just winning just like that easily and you know that you are fighting to end that status, this is what defines you as a player. So these are the mm -hmm. kind of games that define me as a player. Mm -hmm. Nice. Musa, your, your passion for the game and also Ammonia, it, it reverberates with a lot of fans and... You know, when we announced that you're coming on, so many people were going crazy. And like you see in the comments, you know, great really? player, great man, we miss you. Cristela even named her cat after you. Remember me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, yeah. look, Musa always an Ammonia legend. Big Amazing. respect. Look at this. And we even got, I don't know who this is, but hey, Musa, you will always be a living legend in our hearts. Here you go. My Big legends are the, are the Get Nine and everybody that was watching me. I also have legends that were sitting there watching me as well because without them, then I would not enjoy the game. Very true. Very yep. true. Yeah. Go on, Chris. I know you're itching. We say the best for last. Come on, sunshine. <laughs> oh, uh, first things first, Musa. Next time you're down in Limassol, the drinks are on me. Okay. <laughs> now, tell the story about your dad. Come on, if tell I the story said, about your dad. For the for drunk and driving, just know that. <laughs> okay, so I'll quickly say I'll quickly say the story about my dad because I told him yeah. you're going to be on and he told me he's going to be watching. So that's when I first met you, Basement Club. So you yeah. tried to get in and they didn't let you. And my dad was the one that spotted you and put you in, right? Exactly. exactly. More yeah. like three years I had already left Cyprus. Yeah. So of all those people, because most of the time when I came in Cyprus, I was coming here for rehabilitation. 
he was the first person to actually recognize me. <laughs> so Old school fans. <laughs> and I, I think I had free drinks. I don't know who bought those drinks. I ended up getting drunk that night. <laughs> and right. ended up leaving with my car keys, so my, my house keys. So I, I slept outside. I had to go and book a room to sleep in the hotel. So it was such, a <laughs> you're such a you're such a legend. Oh my god. Uh, one thing that one thing that you, you did say, and I'm a person who goes a little bit about the mentality and the mindset that you said yeah. that had to put yourself in an uncomfortable position unfortunately in this time of era a lot of players i mean worldwide they have it very very comfortable and they won't switch into that mentality that you need to get uncomfortable if you need to improve so um, i really like what you said and yeah. again it's why you were the player that you were because you need to switch into that that killer mode that that mindset when you're on the pitch yeah you have to remember one thing what you came there for, what you came for, and why you are there. So yeah. when you think about that, then think about the time when you were mm -hmm. trying to get where you are right now. Yep. So yep. you were uncomfortable. Why do you have to be comfortable now? Because you have all the resources. Messi has like Cristiano Ronaldo has all these resources, but they are still pushing for more and more. Mm -hmm. So... Football is not only passionate only to the people that are watching. It also has to be passionate to the people that are also playing. Because when you are talking about entertainment, it's in both ways. Beautiful. No one wants to play. Like during the COVID, most of the stadiums were empty. Basically, mm -hmm. nobody wanted to play. They understood the importance of the people that are watching, the fans. Mm -hmm. And fans also understood the feeling of having to watch the game at home. There wasn't any passion. Exactly. So exactly. That is, that's why football is like the biggest thing in the world. Mm -hmm. Because it brings people together. It's passion. Yep. Passion yeah. and love. Passion and, and love. Passion and love. So you have to remember what you came here for. Because money comes, money goes. But what mm -hmm. the history that you created within yourself, when you look back and say, okay, I had broken leg, I don't even have legs, I'm moving in a wheelchair. What did I do when I had my legs? Exactly. You understand now? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, Musa, obviously, you scored many, many goals, many, many memories. I mean, the first year you scored in the final against the Yenis, we won the cup. Um, Hank Howard was your your coach. How was he? How how much did he help you in your game? Because for us, he is a legend. I mean, he came during a difficult time and he won a, won a title for us. How was he for you as a manager? I think... Basically, the time that me and the coach, we came actually together. We came at the same time. So it could have been a missing link because from what I saw in Omonia, there were already quality players. I didn't even like imagine myself being in the game changer there because there were already game changers in the team. But maybe there was just that one link that was missing that brings everybody in together. Winning the Gibello, it was definitely not out of luck. It was supposed to be another way around because the team that I played with, the guys that I played around, Ammonia was supposed to be the champion. Mm -hmm. This was my belief. I never like played with some of the teams. I never watched some of the teams to understand. But I still had that question mark in my head, like, how can this team 
be now only fighting to go to Europa with so much quality here. Yep. So sometimes... Yeah, sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, continue. Sometimes maybe it's the management, the way they are handling things. Maybe sometimes it's, you know, with the administration, you, you have to bring it together. You can't point fingers, but you have to come together. So the missing link, it actually worked because Ammonia is not a team, from my opinion, that has to finish the season without any silverware. It's yep. impossible. Yep. It's a shame. It's exactly. With majority of the people in this country they are all like the green and white t-shirt and you don't win something how does it make the people feel you are yeah. playing for people's team you are not just playing for an individual team exactly exactly yeah. and, and in that year i mean you had so many players i mean i i, I even have the dvd when you won the cup you had i mean gaiafas cosley but again, one person that I want to speak about that, that you played with was Stathis. How did Stathis help you? I mean, how much did he up your game in terms of delivery, finding you in the spaces? How was he in that game that made your life easy in terms of, not easy, but obviously scoring more goals and performing better and better game by game? Stathis was a macho man. So Stathis was that guy. <laughs> no, he was like, yeah. Everywhere you go, you know, the way he dresses, it was more like the flamboyant, like the, the David Beckham of Ammonia. Of Ammonia. You know, and it was like strange to me because we actually got so close. We actually connected outside of the pitch before we even started playing together. I remember we used, he used to pick me up for training. He used to drop me out at home used to go out together and all this. So I think it was that bond that made us stick together and to create one of the best uh, attacking forces in the Cyprus <laughs> League at that time. And I would tell you honestly, the guy was so fast. I remember I knocked him out in my second day in training. <laughs> I had to. I, I didn't apologize. But he was yelling, I don't know what he was saying, but I said, yes, I have to do this. And all <laughs> guys, hey, hey, this is when I knew that, hey, this is the player there in Ammonia. <laughs> so you they, had to make them know. <laughs> I, had to, I, had, I had to put a step on my passport. I had to, so at the end of the day, another corner kick. Nicolas Yoriu is coming also to try to challenge me. I'm like, oh my God, Boop, again. <laughs> I said and I took the ball. It hit the post, unfortunately. This is when everybody knew, like, hey, hey you better watch out for this guy. Yep. So, but yep. I would say that started, he was an amazing player. Amazing. When I say amazing, he was amazing. It was a pity that that team was involved the following season because if the administration would have kept him and brought maybe a, a few changes to strengthen him, we were going far. Yep. But everything changed. There were new players. I saw like seven, eight different players and three players that I know in the past. This is when we are having some situations in the club. It takes time for Omonia to get back to where it belongs. Yeah. You played with a lot of big names at the time. But if I had to ask you to name the three that stood out, and uh, that you learned the most from them or helped you 
in your career, obviously you said about Gabor at the beginning who was really supportive. I will say it again, Gabor Korolowski. Yeah. Did you play with Zaylias? Yes. Yes, because when I put the picture yeah. on, on Instagram, Zay was like, oh, hi, 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 hi. He was like, yeah. Yeah, this, this guy, he actually taught me a lot of things. So from everywhere that I moved after Ammonia, I learned the philosophy of movement for any striker, how you should move, how you can create your own space. I learned it from him. I won't lie about that. You learned it from who? Zelias. Well, Zelias taught you about this. Obviously, from a defender's perspective of, of, of how to defend, he, he helped you. No, because he played in because he was a, a, a midfielder. So yeah, from way before in Inter Milan, imagine this guy, he was the one giving the part to Ronaldo, the phenomenon. Mm. So I would be stupid if I say to myself, oh, well, this guy cannot tell me anything. I learned a lot from that guy. And also, I had Mark Domosseline, he was my roommate as well. So way before the game starts, when we are in the hotel and we are talking, maybe smoking in the balcony, he will tell me where I have to be. And I remember I scored one uh, corner kick from him. Man, those crosses, they were impossible to score. When I even scored it, I don't even know that I was the one I scored it because I just flipped it. Yeah. And then I just... Okay. Had and I started to celebrate, like, ah, was it me? It's a mistake. Maybe, well, yeah, well, it's you. Ah, okay. <laughs> so I used to talk to these guys. They used to, like, push me a lot. And then there was Ismail Mba. Ismail Mba, he used to tell me to come to train two hours before the training even starts, before even the guy. He used to make me do, like, 500 push-ups. I'm like, guy, yeah, I, I didn't have breakfast. I, I only ate uh, one egg. You want to get let's go and it started becoming easy there was a lot of influence within the team there was a big influence the only time i think it changed i think it was the 2006 2007 when there was a mix of portuguese and uh, like brazilian players so we were like a map of the world so there were there was a group of separate guys there was a group of portuguese speaking there was a group of like the rest of the crew so I think at that moment, that was the time that Ammonia actually like lost it. We could see on our own that the problem is not only with players, but it's right at somewhere something was missing. Because okay. at that time now, we, can, we could not speak, we could not bond. Mm -hmm. A team like that, you cannot rely on one individual to be always next to you help you to grow everything because when one person helps you to grow another person will help you to grow in another way because i remember the second season when i played five games in a row without scoring it was kayafas and joachim that took me to kayafas house so we were training in the uh, i don't remember what it is so i was reversing my car in the night and i ended up hitting some other car Kayafas came to me and said, brother, you, you don't look okay. Come to my place. I had dinner with my captain, with his family, Joachim's family. So this is when I understood. This is how football should be. It's not, it doesn't have to be inside the field. 
it can also be outside of the field. When you create that bond, you will learn a lot of things out of all the big players that we used to have in the past. So I speak about Gabo because Gabo is the person that I was 99% of the time, it was him and uh, Vladko Krosdanovsky. But Vladko was the same age as me, and uh, he was one of the flamboyant girl guys, and all the girls were like throwing themselves at him and everything. So I felt left out. But that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Why not me? Like, okay, no problem. Listen, something coming. Never. <laughs> but I've got that. Yeah, great stuff. Musa, I'm just going to read some of these comments out that we've got up here for you. Just bear with you one moment. Um, here you go. Christos says, if I'm correct, Musa played for Yannaba also when they played against us. Omonia fans cheered for him. Big respect there, which obviously, you know, as I said, loads of, loads of respect. Lots of love as well coming big for you, my friend. That's a big moment because the first time I played my first game, it was against Omonia actually when I came back from Russia after my uh, Achilles problem. So looking at where I started and where I was, actually, it reminded me of who I am. That was one of the best moments. I would have loved to play against Ammonia in Kasipi, just to see the feeling of playing against this team in that stadium. I never got the chance. There you go. Right. Uh... Musa, can you please do the dance you did against Abuel? <laughs> the what? The dance you did against Abuel. The dance? Yeah. The celebration. I, the dance, the celebration. I don't even remember which dance I used to make because that is one team I like to score. <laughs> <laughs> there was this one. <laughs> you already, I think Roy already has it on the story there. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I, I, well, I'm too but now I don't think I can even make the dance. No, no, come on, man. You're never too old to dance. Never too old to dance. I, I listen, I know all about Afro beats, yeah? So I know you guys can dance. Don't give me that. <laughs> I'm the robot. When it comes to people, I'm the robot. I can't, I'm Terminator. I just say, <laughs> back. <laughs> Brilliant. All right, I've got three quick questions. Um, best goal with Ammonia and toughest opponent? The best goal with Ammonia against Apollo. Right. The semi-final, actually, not my first game. I was hungry and I was angry at the same time because in the first game there, when we drew to, to um, one of my opponents, my colleagues, he actually mentioned something bad and spit on my face. So I, I wanted to eat his whole family at that time. I wanted to, like, eat everybody. Like, ah. But then I, like, twisted everything. I'm like, okay, you are coming to Gossipi there. Maybe I need to make you work or do your homework correctly. Yeah, I made the guy run. So that goal, when I scored it, it was amazing. Even the celebration, you could feel the celebration. It was the second goal that we scored. It was 2-0 at the time. So that was my best goal because when I scored, I actually, I took him as well. So I was... <laughs> anyway, so I changed for that. Brilliant. Okay, talk about that red card with Aboel. I had a red card with Aboel. Yeah, apparently so. Oh, yes. Everyone <laughs> had a red card against Aboel. Everyone. Ooh. 
Yeah, I think I was one of those crazy strikers to actually be having red cards. Yeah, but that's what passion is all about. You you want to give your best in everything. You don't want to feel isolated. You want to be there. You want to show that you want to fight. And I remember it was uh, like one of my homeboys. He was an African defender. He was actually like pinching on me. Yeah, he was pinching every time. He was pinching on me. And I kept telling him, stop doing that. He kept on pinching to, on me. Then it was a throw-in, I remember. So when the ball was thrown and the guy pulled my jersey, boom. I hit him with an elbow. And he was bleeding. But intentionally, it wasn't intentional. I think most of my red cards were not even intentional in Cyprus. They <laughs> saw me, they just saw cocaine or whatsoever, you know? Because I, I had another one with a, uh, an autopsy as well. Fruzos. All right. Those actually head butted me and fell down, and I just took a red card. <laughs> in Paphos, was the same thing. The guy I was running, he was behind me. I could hear someone knocking at my head while I was sprinting. The next thing I turned, but I really wanted to punch him as well, but he fell on the ground. Shit off. And the referee just gave me a red card for Christ's sake. So I was, <laughs> maybe it's already written in the offices. Because even before the games we play, Musa, be careful because I will give you the red card. Referee, the game just hasn't even started. You're already telling me about the red card. No way. The, the, that's called betting, illegal gambling. I never knew about that. I started knowing about betting maybe the last four years when I was mm. already. There you go. So they got the referees must have got good odds <laughs> on. Uh... Each and every game I was playing, it was like that. I'm like, what are these guys talking about? So did, those, yeah. Tell me. Did they, did anyone ask you to to play badly? Did anyone ask you to play badly? You know what? To be honest, I thank God because I couldn't even speak Greek. Ah, so right. Ask me that. I only said ne, then Catalan. <laughs> <laughs> so he will ask himself. This guy is agreeing. What is he saying? I don't even think he understands. Andax, he leaves it there. Yeah. But okay. Then, no, I never came across that. Okay. I'm what? Never did. I, I'm going to ask you another question here. Final question from Instagram. There was a chant about you and Sozin. Do you, do you recall it? Did you know Which, what it was about at the time? What? There's, there was a song about you and Sozin. Sozin. You, uh, you, you and Musa. <laughs> <laughs> It was actually one of my colleagues, uh, he, we worked together. He actually started singing this. And when I asked, like, what the fuck does this mean? <laughs> when I knew, like, eh? <laughs> I remember. It was fucking hilarious. It was really it funny. Was really, really funny. When I discovered it, it was more hilarious. Because I was like, yeah. <laughs> and it was written by there. I'm like, eh? Okay. Just leave it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, guys, uh, should we wrap it up? Yeah, let's, Musa, let's wrap it up. I want to, I, I want to show Musa one thing. One thing, I, one second. Once I don't know if you can see it. Huh? Put it. The dance. That is the game <laughs> I was talking about. <laughs> that was Vistathis. Talking about that was my best goal day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. amazing. And that day was amazing. I think it was more amazing than the final because everyone wanted to go to the final. Mm. 
So that was the game changer. If we won that game, we knew that we have a chance. Everybody knew it. Mm. So that, that passion I saw from that angle there, it was amazing. Well, Musa, I think I, I speak on behalf of everyone, Moniadi. Thank you very much for your, you know for being a, a great player for us, for giving everything, for loving the club, and the the respect and love is mutual. Uh, do you have any quick messages for the Omonia fans who are watching? It's the same messages that I will give in the past. Just keep on believing. Stay behind the team. No matter the difficult times, you've been there before. So if you've been there before, you know how to get back where you're supposed to be. You've done it. So let's keep pushing. This is 100%. this. The country let's keep pushing let's not leave comfortable. remember that if you live uncomfortable the results will always come absolutely so, yeah. just not in a good position so the guys just need to remember the badge what it stands for mm -hmm. so the is till the end there you go yeah really great nice. stuff well guys that was musa roy do you want to wrap up philemon yeah, I want one thing from Musa. Just uh, if, you, if you can quickly say, Hi, I am Musa Nguni, and you are watching the No Choftes podcast. Uh, you have Hold to... up. Wait. The No? No Choftes. Can you read it? Ah, Choftes. You... All right. Yeah. So, hi, I'm Musa, and you are watching No Choftes podcast. I hope you enjoyed. Peace. <laughs> Bravo, Excellent. Musa. Thank you, Musa. That's wonderful. Pleasure, Roy. Have a lovely Wrap day. it up, Roy. Let's go. Okay, so yeah. Pamesu <laughs> and follow DJSTS Michael on Instagram, Chase Dell on Instagram, Roy Nochoftes and my boy Musa. Thank you very, very much. Pleasure, Roy, see you soon, brother. Amen. See you, see you, Musa. Thank you so much. Bye.